Unfortunately, due to technical issues, the beginning of the sermon didn't get recorded, uh, so we're picking up a few minutes in. Isn't it, Matthew? It really is. And then we have Jesus. He, record, he tells three times, predicts his own future three times. He says that he is going to die and be risen again. Matthew 17, 23, it says, Then when they came into Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And his disciples were filled with grief. 20, verses 17 and 19. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem on the way. He took the twelve aside and he said to them, We are going to, up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. And they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. I've missed out one there as well. The Son of Man is going to be delivered in chapter 17, delivered into the hands of men and kill him. They will kill him and on the third day he will be raised to life. And Matthew then also goes on to tell us why this is going to happen. Jesus predicts his death and his resurrection. But why is this going to happen? Why is the Messiah going to have to die in such a way? Well, chapter 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And then Matthew continues by showing through the teachings of Jesus that the kingdom is like and who will be part of it. And that's the section that we've just been in. Uh, Last week Paul was teaching us through that. And in Matthew 25 we read this. Um, where Jesus declares that he's going to return in in judgment. It says in chapter 25, verses 31 and 32, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another and as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, Do you know what Matthew says now? Can you see where Matthew's going? Because today we come and we move on from that passage and we're into chapter 26. And he starts, the verse that we start with is when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. As you know. Matthew has been telling us this story about Jesus the Messiah. Jesus has been predicting his own death in front of his disciples and his resurrection. And he just says, he points out to them as he's finished all of that teaching, he says, as you know. I can imagine me saying that to my children and they go, yeah, we know. but do they? This passage we're looking at here is, um, it has too much to get involved into. But I want you to notice that the beginning section, I've got three in my Bible, it's, it's divided into three sections. The plot against Jesus, 
Jesus anointed at Bethany, and then Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Jesus says there, he says to them, look, the Son of Man is going to be handed over to be crucified. And then, in this sandwich of three, the top layer, Jesus predicts that he's going to be handed over, and then in the end, the last verse, verse 16 that we're looking at, Judas then watches for an opportunity to hand him over. We have a sandwich here in this uh, that Matthew's put here for us. He's, he's put the, the plot to, to, to betray. And then he's put the betrayal at the end. But in the middle he's put this story for us. That he wants us to draw close attention to. Matthew, like I said as well, in the, he likes to draw out from the Old Testament things that you will notice if you look at your Old Testament and you look at his writings, that you'll see that Jesus is fulfilling more than just uh, a whim, but he is actually filling, fulfilling the, te- um, the prophecies gone before him. And he includes that he's going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Just another one of those things that Mark, uh, Matthew just pushes out there for you to see. That this is the Messiah. But we want to draw our attention more to this uh, verses 6 uh, through to 13. Because I want you to pay attention. I want you to think about as you know. Jesus predicts that he's going to be betrayed. And, just, and Matthew includes here, just as he's saying, that the chief priests are meeting to take him aside. To, to, they're plotting to take him and kill him. This isn't just Jesus just kind of chucking something out there. He knows what's going to happen and actually Matthew records that, what, that it is happening. They're plotting his death. And in amongst that, Jesus is reclining at the table of Simon the leper. And in amongst that, while Jesus is reclining at the table of the leper, Simon the leper, this woman comes in And she breaks a jar of oil over his head. And the disciples are very indignant about it. They're like, what are you doing? Wasting all that money. What are you doing? Keep in mind this question, do you know? I want us to look at the two characters... Uh, that are in this story. I want us to look at the unnamed woman. Uh, in, incidentally, Matthew is the only one that doesn't name the woman. In all the other Gospels that record this story, they say that this is Mary, the sister of Martha. But Matthew, he doesn't say her name because he wants you to put yourself in her shoes. He wants you to pay attention, not to so much to the woman, but the detail. And he doesn't name, like the other Gospels do, the, that it's Judas that is actually more indignant towards it than the rest of the disciples. But he says the disciples are indignant because he wants you to pay attention to them and put yourself in their shoes. So let's look at it. Let's look at the, the woman that comes in. The woman comes in and she takes this jar and she breaks it over the head of, not breaks it over the head, but she snaps it and she pours it over the head of Jesus to anoint him. This jar, I'm told by the commentators, well, back when they were written, so probably we need to add a little bit of inflation to it, but back when they wrote their commentaries, they said this is worth about £250,000, this jar. So if we add interest and all that sort of stuff and and, uh, 
inflation, it's probably worth about £500,000 now. Shows you how old the commentators were that I was reading. But uh, this is an expensive jar. Do you know, for this woman that comes in, this jar is not just an object. This is her future. This is a vast amount of money that I've never held in my hand. You know, this could be her dowry. She's coming in and she's breaking this oil over Jesus' head and she is saying to Jesus by doing so, I give you my everything. I give you my future. I hold nothing back from you. And she anoints Jesus. You know, the disciples, they're really indignant about this. What have you done? All that money that's wasted that could have been to help the poor. But Jesus says she's done a beautiful thing. Well, why did she do it? Why did she do it? Well, I put it to you because she knew. She knows Jesus. She is someone who has paid attention to his teachings and she has listened to his predictions about his death and his resurrection. It says here, uh, in, the, in this passage, it says, in verse 12, it says, When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. She knew what she was doing when she came in. She took this jar, she poured it over his head because she had been listening to him. She knew Jesus intimately and she knew he was going to die and be crucified. But more than that, she knew that actually he was going to rise again. You see, she didn't hold on to this oil for when he was in in the tomb to anoint him when he was in the tomb to embalm him and to make his uh, rotting corpse smell nicer. She knew that she wasn't going to get to that stage because Jesus had already told her that he was going to rise again within three days. So this woman that walks in, she gives him her future. And she trusts him with her future because she knows that even though he's going to die, its death is not going to hold him. This is someone that she knows she can put everything in and not withhold anything from She knows. But the disciples, they're indignant. What have you done? What a waste. They've spent their entire, the last three years with Jesus non-stop. They have heard him preach. They have seen him heal people. They have seen miracles and wonders. They have seen prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. And yet, they do not see the wonder of what she has done. They don't know. They attack her. But Jesus comes immediately to her defence, doesn't he? He says, leave this woman alone. Leave her alone. What she has done, let's read it. It says, look, aware of this, Jesus says to them, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This woman, she comes in, she gives her all, and she knows that she can leave it in Jesus' hands, and she knows that he is going to look after her, and he does, doesn't he? He steps up immediately. He tells the disciples to leave her alone, 
And he even says that actually what she has done, the way that she has given me her everything, will be recorded throughout time. And even today we are speaking about her. She gives him her future and Jesus says, your future is safe in my hand. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, he says to them, leave her alone. They haven't got it. They haven't grasped it. They're still thinking of this Jesus as the Messiah who might bring in um, reformation through military power or through politics or something else. They haven't grasped what he's come to do. But Mary had, sorry, the woman with no name has. They haven't grasped it. You see, it's not that Jesus is not looking after, they're out for the poor at all. This can be misquoted, can't it? It says there, you know, the poor you will always have you, with you, but you will not always have me. We know that Jesus loves the poor. He heals the sick, he la- the lame, the blind. He's in the house of Simon the leper, believed to be someone that Jesus has uh, restored to health. The leper, a leper was an outcast that no one wanted to know. They had to be put outside the camp, outside of the city. And yet Jesus is in his house eating with him. So we know that Jesus loves the poor and the needy. But what he's saying is that I'm going. I'm not always going to be here in front of you. And you're missing the point. You're really missing it. You don't know. Well, where do we go with that for today? Like I said, these are two shoes that you've got to look at, whether you can fit in, which one you fit in. The woman with no name has got huge shoes to fill. Huge shoes to fill. She has trusted God, trusted Jesus with everything that she has, everything that she is. She has given him her heart. She knows him. She knows him. Now the question is, do you know Jesus? Are you like the woman without a name? Are you trusting him wholly? Giving him everything. Laying everything at his feet. Trusting him that he will defend you no matter what. Or are you wearing the shoes of the disciples? And in particular, let's look at Judas. So Judas, here, he says, uh, then one of the twelve, they called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? And they counted out 20, uh, sorry, 30 pieces of silver. And then Jesus, uh, then on, Judas was looking for an opportunity to hand him over. Judas thought he knew who Jesus was. He walked with him and even actually performed miracles. He told people about Jesus. He was there when the twelve baskets were collected after the the food was given out to the four, five thousand. He was there when he saw Jesus healing the blind. But he's missed the point. And he was looking for something that Jesus wasn't. Now, dare I say it, There are people in the church today, there may even be people here today who have sat under ministry, 
have read their Bibles, have told people about Jesus, have helped put out the chairs and do the youth work and everything else, yet they still don't know Jesus. Still don't know who He is and what He has done. And still have not given Him everything that He deserves. Where do you stand? Do you know? Do you know all that Christ has done for you? Christianity is not like any other faith out there, religion. It is the only one where we come to know Jesus more because he died for us. He is the only one that we can stand and say he is risen. And he has made a way for us into the kingdom of God. Last week, Paul took us through the, the judgment seat. And he, sh- he showed us that there is no other way into the kingdom apart from, from gospel, through the gospel. Through a change of heart. If you do not know Jesus, then all the acts that you do that look good mean nothing. The only way into the kingdom of God is to know and trust in Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, do you know? It might be that you've got to ask for forgiveness for the things that for stepping aside from him. It might be that you just you never you thought you knew him but you don't. But that's okay. Now is the time that you come to Him and ask Him into your life. Now is the time you hand Him everything and you trust Him with your future because it is in His hands and He will never let you down. Jesus, He came. He died a gruesome death on the cross because we sinned against Him. You and I, everyone before Him, everyone after Him, no one, is right in the eyes of God because God is holy and we are sinful. And unless you trust Him and know that He is willing to forgive you because He loves you, and trust the fact that He came and He died on the cross for you because He loves you despite what you have done against Him. Trust in Him. Trust that He defeated death. And He is risen. And He is now seated with God and high, interceding for you. Talking in God's ear for you. Standing there. giving, Standing up for you like He did for this woman against the disciples. Trust in Him. He's the only one that is worthy of it. The only one who will never let you down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for for this woman. Lord, we thank you for the image that we see in her of uh, trusting in you fully, of of knowing all that you have taught her and taking it and grabbing hold of it and not letting go and laying her life at your feet. Lord, may we be like that. May we lay our lives at your feet. May we trust in you and grab hold of the truth that is you and the love that comes from you. And Lord, as we do that, may we love each other in out of the overflow of that. Lord, we pray, Lord, your forgiveness for all that we've done wrong against you, both 
what we know and what we don't. And we trust you because you have said you will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen.